0: respiratory hq's journey to success podcast the podcast specifically for rt students because you all are the future of the respiratory therapy profession and not everything you need for success can be found in your textbooks i'm tanya peel i am so excited to be here to give you a little guidance and insight a few tips maybe a few tricks to help you be successful on your journey through respiratory therapy school let's get started Welcome back, everybody, and happy new year. Um, Those of you that have been following this podcast probably realize I haven't produced an episode in quite a while. Um, And the honest truth of that is, I needed to take a little step back, take a little bit of a needed break, and I had surgery right after Thanksgiving that I have been recovering from. So it is good to be back. Um, I want to talk today uh, about probably something that is not traditional as, as a New Year's podcast. I think a lot of other podcasters probably talked about New Year's resolution or starting the New Year's doing things differently. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different track with this. And what I want to talk about is mental health and burnout. And I think specifically for a respiratory therapy student, this is relevant Um And actually, the reason I know it's relevant is one of my second year students about final break time, the middle of December, contacted me and said, you know, when you start doing a podcast again, it might be beneficial to have a podcast about burnout so that you come to the end of the semester really burned out. Is there a way to minimize it? Is what can you do? Is there a way to prevent it? And um, thinking about that. I think, okay, yes, it's relevant for you, but at the time she asked me that, my first response was that I had gotten to a point that I was so burned out, I couldn't think about doing a podcast, I couldn't think about getting online, or getting on the microphone, and talk about steps you could put in place when I had failed to do some of those steps myself, and I had gotten to the point that I was so utterly exhausted that I just didn't want to do anything, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite either and talk about how you prevent it when I was in the midst of having a little bit of a breakdown myself, so with that, I realized, oh my gosh, I better do something within the next month before we go back to school so I can be the type of teacher my students need to be and maybe the type of partner in a marriage and the type of co-worker that everybody else needs me to be. So while I thought I couldn't do a podcast, having processed some things over the last month or so, I think maybe I can be of benefit To some of you about talking about burnout and and things that have helped me through it and things that I am putting into place at the start of the new year so I don't get in the situation I was in at the end of last year so when we talk about burnout I think that there are different levels of burnout you know Everybody gets to the end of the semester in school, teachers and students alike, and and it's a common phrase. I am so burnt out. I am so exhausted. And and it's a true thing. And I think any time that you set a long-term goal and you push constantly towards that, there is going to be a weariness that are that's going to be experienced. And if we can put things in place throughout that semester or throughout that process of achieving this goal, you're going to probably end up at the end end of the semester, at the end of that goal um, being less tired. But there are probably more severe stages of burnout. No, not probably. There are more severe stages of burnout that um, I think sometimes a person gets to that because of their failure to reach out for help when they need that. And the reason I say this is this was me, I think. So what I'd like to do is kind of just tell you my story I'm gonna kind of open up and be a little bit vulnerable here I don't usually share these kind of things but also people sometimes think that with a person's burnout it's because they're irresponsible with their time or irresponsible with their energy and what they're focusing on and sometimes that's just not the case sometimes it's just life throws a lot of stuff at you at a lot of different times and you just don't have time to heal from one tragedy before another tragedy strikes and so I want to talk about that I want to talk about I'm going to give you my story I'm going to tell you how I ended up the way I ended up and I'm going to tell you some things I did along the way that kept it from being worse than probably what it could have been and some things that I've thought through to implement this semester so here we go I'm going to take us back to I guess probably the pandemic, which was 2020, I had had three major life events that happened right before the pandemic. And these three events kind of um, have cycled through, have have been in play during the last three years. And so um, one of those things was um, right before the pandemic hit. I had been having a lot of back pain and and which migrated to hip pain, and by the time we figured out what was going on, um, I had a very severe case of osteoarthritis and was looking at hip surgery replacement, which is the surgery I just had, by the way, Um, but we were trying to see how long I could tolerate the pain and the limited activity that I was dealing with because I am relatively young for that, so the last three years, I've been dealing with this chronic pain issue and just altering my way of life to, to deal with that. And so this plays in throughout this whole thing. The second event that happened is that my stepdad um, was diagnosed with dementia. And those of you that um, have family members or friends that have had this diagnosis, you you are going to understand when I say this This is a terminal diagnosis. This is a terminal disease process. It's a very, very hard decline in mental state. The brain atrophies, personality changes happen. Just it's, it's very hard on family members to watch this. And so we, he was diagnosed with this and we knew, we knew what we were looking at. And so over the last three years, we've also dealt as a family with this state of decline that's been happening with my stepdad. And the third big thing that happened, I say happened, it wasn't like it was all of a sudden happened, but my sister um, had been an alcoholic all of her life and through various times has has always struggled. And times she struggled more than other times. Sometimes she had it under control. But right before the pandemic, um, she started struggling quite a bit more, and in that struggle started isolating herself from our family. And so these three things, as I tell you my story over the next, you know, what has elapsed in over two, three years, kind of have weaved itself through there and have been a constant source of struggle, really, for me, constant source of stress, constant struggle for our family, all right, so we all went through, um, in 2020, the pandemic hitting, and I'm I'm not going to talk about how horrible that was, healthcare workers, uh, those of you that are listening, and the struggles you went through, I cannot imagine, um, I consider myself fortunate to have been a teacher and not have been in that situation because I don't know that I wouldn't have handled it as gracefully as some of the the healthcare workers that I have seen handle that. But as a as an instructor, this was this was a, a source of stress too, you know, um not not near what what healthcare workers, not near that. But from going from a face-to-face class to transitioning everything online and still dealing with that transition is a is was a constant source of stress and worry and an extra work to change that transition so we went through that and during that time uh, I always laugh and say that my COVID project because everybody had a COVID project right my husband and I were building a house through that which um, while that's a very happy thing and it's a very fun thing it's a very stressful thing and we had just Moved into our house probably in in uh, mid-June of that year. And about 10 days afterwards, my niece, who was in her um, mid-20s, got into a horrible car accident um, and was care-flighted to a facility in Reno, Nevada. We have absolutely no family in that area of the country. And my niece had absolutely no support system in that area either. And so this car accident was pretty significant. She had a a really bad closed head injury. She had multiple fractures. Um, So the family all flies up there. We are of the assumption her ICPs were really high that she was going to pass away. And so we all gathered there. And lo and behold, she didn't. Um, She was on the vent quite a while. And so we had to, as a family, figure out how we were going to take care of her. And basically that meant um, me, my mom... Her mother, my sister Tracy, and her dad were taking weak turns up in Nevada to be at bedside with her and, and just help out and give that support. So, okay that significant event with my sister being an alcoholic, she struggled with being able to help out like she should. And so we were kind of doing a little bit of double duty in some places, my mom especially. But during my week there, helping and dealing with Autumn and and actually was there when she came off the ventilator and everything, my mother um, started having some cardiac issues that she was having runs of atrial dysrhythmias that she wouldn't convert out of and had to, had multiple trips to the emergency room to be cardioverted. And so I'm just long, long story short, my niece recovered Okay, but the next year, mom went through this period of time that she was having to, well, she had several surgeries, two of them being um, cardiac ablations to deal with this issue. And each time she had an event or this issue, I would travel back home and be there to take care of her because my stepdad was declining with dementias, not able to drive, not able to help her with the care that she needs when she's at home after these surgeries. So I was running back and forth between Weatherford and Midland to kind of help her out with that. Got that taken care of, rolled into 2022 and had had about three months of You know, peace, you know, things had settled down everywhere and we thought we were doing good. We were still dealing with issues with my sister. My hip was still hurting. My stepdad was declining in his dementia. But, hey, that's life, you know, and and we were dealing. Well, so at the start of the year, what, February-ish, a friend and I were talking about me starting an online company. And, yep, so we started Respiratory HQ. And had just gotten that up and running, got my little LLC license, and started doing work into that. And in March, my sister passed away um, from chronic alcohol alcohol abuse um, complications of that. And she, you know, it, it spiraled into an addiction. She had isolated the family, and 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 she died. And that's when I think I really started not handling things well. And I'm not going to talk about it all that much. I don't know if I can all that much. But I'm just going to suffice it to say that my main emotion in the whole grief process with her has has been anger. I mean, I, I carry a lot of anger even to this day with her. Um, I just... That she died and that my mother is experiencing this grief from the loss of her daughter, and I cannot imagine what that feels like, and it, that mom's having to go through this, and I cannot fix that for mom, and it's a grief to lose with a sibling, unlike anything I've known. You know, I lost my dad in 2016, and this, is, this has affected me more than the death of my father, and I guess it's because you always know you're going to lose your parents, but to lose a sibling that's younger to than you... You question your own mortality. And then the bad thing about death that people don't think about until they're in it is there's a whole year of first, the first Mother's Day that my mom went through knowing she had lost a child. The, my sister's, the fir- her birthday that first rolled around, Thanksgiving without her, Christmas without her. You know, we're, we're dealing with this whole year of firsts, and it's just... And I'm dealing with it with, with anger, you know, and, and anger will wear you out. And that's really all I'm going to say about that. So that's been this issue this last year. And um, about August, oh, wait, no, mom had COVID this summer, had a, a stent in ICU with COVID pneumonia, and we didn't know what was going on there, uh, went back home to take care of that. And then in September, my stepdad had progressed in his dementia, his physical decline, also, that he had a bad fall. And we ended up right before Thanksgiving doing all of the work to find a memory care center. That he could go to because mom is at the point that she is no longer to physically care for him at home. And so we've dealt with all of this this year. And or this last year. And in the midst of this had all this chronic pain that I was dealing with. My hip had been going through, you know, physical therapy and plasma replacement therapy and steroid shots and stem cell replacement therapy. Well, I kind of got just tired of it and scheduled hip replacement surgery. And so I had a hip replacement uh, the end of November of last year. And so, in my mind, I had just been struggling with these issues that really were not of my own making, quite honestly. Sometimes just life just throws something at you time and time and time again. And you don't have enough time to deal with it and process and heal from it before the next big event happens. And I think that's a big contributing factor a lot of times to burnout. You know, I had three years of not really being in a process and deal with things before the next thing came up that I had to deal with. And so, to be quite honest, I was looking forward to having surgery. The thought of being able to be put to sleep, wake up, and be on painkillers for two weeks and, and just drift and float and sleep sounded like really what I needed. So when my student says, you know, burnout would be a great topic, I was like, yeah, it would be because I could have used some things. So that's my story and how I ended up where I ended up. What I'd like to talk to you now is about things that had done all along that that I think was beneficial, things that I implemented last year knowing I was struggling with some things that have been beneficial and things that I've spent the last month thinking about with the help of a counselor so that I can better manage things that happen in the future because... If we're gonna be honest, the next big event is more than likely gonna be the death of my stepfather, and then my mother dealing with that. And so, putting things in place for me now, so I can better deal with things in the future, and then continuing on working on healing through what has passed, how what has happened over the past three years. So that's where we're going next. So we're gonna talk about six things. I've done a lot of thinking, and I think these six things are really critical to how you manage stress in your life. And I think you can minimize, let's just say that, minimize your reaction to things and minimize burnout if you think consciously about these six things. Okay, so the first three I wasn't a hypocrite about. It. I really did these things or implemented them when I realized things were a problem. So number 1, you have got to take care of your body. Your physical health is so important. And What's integral to that is eating right and making sure you stay hydrated. You cannot expect your body to perform if you are not fueling it right. Okay, I am a firm believer in diet and exercise. Um, it, just, it, it just gives you energy. And so I, I did that either through the death of my sister, through all of that, I made sure I ate right and I maintained exercising. Even with my hip hurting, I still exercised four to five days a week. I might have had to modify it. I didn't lift as much weight. I didn't do high-impact exercising anymore, but I still did get up almost every single morning and exercise. Let's talk about hydration. Drink plenty of water. I can tell you this. Whenever I'm hungry or thirsty, I am gripey. And people around me suffer and my relationships suffer. And if I would just stop and eat or eat regularly enough so I don't get hungry, I can prevent that. Same with being thirsty. All right. one other thing I'm going to talk about when I talk about take care of your physical health. I want to talk about alcohol consumption just a little bit. Um, I'm not going to get on a big soapbox about this. Um... I will say I absolutely understand coming home at the end of the day, maybe you know in the week, whatever, having a glass of wine or whatever to just kind of relax. But I'm gonna ask yourself this if you're turning to alcohol to get rid of anxiety or or to just not have to think, if you're coming home and drinking excessively and getting wasted to not have to deal with things I think you need to do some serious reflection to see to ask yourself some critical questions do, do you have a problem because alcohol is a depressant and and I know I'm really sensitive about this with my sister and all every time I take a drink I worry that is this going to be the drink that turns me into an alcoholic. So I'm very, very, very careful with that. And I think that that's an important part of, of your physical health is just monitoring that. So the second thing that I think is really important in times of stress or in time of trauma or in a time of big life events is to hold on and continue doing the things that you enjoy, the things that you love, the things the things that feed you okay the things that nourish your soul and even if people are telling you don't do that because it takes too much energy don't listen if it makes you feel better do it now I'm going to give you an, an example I did this when my dad died I did this when my sister died I did this through my mom's surgeries and taking care of her I'd still taught my classes. Um, when my sister passed away, I Zoomed my classes. I didn't teach my lab. Somebody had to cover that for me. When my dad died, I, um, I, I, taught my, I came back home to teach classes. Um, when mom was in surgery, I took my whiteboard to my mom's house and I lectured and Zoomed. Did I have to do it? No. But I needed to. I needed my students. Because that, the teaching, the being in the environment with the students, the teaching them, learning that interaction, it makes me feel like I contribute. It makes me happy. It fills me with joy. And when you're going through stress and trauma and your life just sucks, you have to find the things that are joyful and continue to do them. Don't give them up and don't let people take that away from you. Okay? Another thing kind of along the same lines with this is, yeah, continue to do the things you enjoy, but look for the things that are good. And I could have I been better about this, to be honest. Um, I look back now and think, okay, through this three-year times, there were a lot of joyful events. You know, I've, I've painted the picture like it's just been miserable and it hasn't been fun, but there have been pockets of really fun time you know um, my husband and I haven't been married long we're still married long we're still newlyweds we built a house and that was exciting um, we are both at a place in our life that we we are very comfortable with our lifestyle God has richly blessed us and I should consider that more often and then be thankful and grateful about that. And as hard as the death of my sister has been and going through mom's heart issues with her, she and I have had some, some just amazing mother-daughter time. And um, for me, uh, my mom's my best friend, I have no doubt that when she passes, I'm going to have absolutely zero regret about not spending enough time with her. Um, So that has been something that in, in hindsight that I've been able to do and been able to take from and enjoy that has been, you know, it's filled my soul. You know, the relationship my mother and I have, it's always been a deep, very, very rich relationship and it is even more so now. So Focus on some of the good stuff in your life because I promise you it's not all bad. The third thing, this is a big deal. Um, and this is something that I struggled with. It took me a long time to, to come around to this, but you need to reach out and and seek professional help when you need it. Um, I am one of those type of people, and and um, I've said this often in my life, you know, stuff happens in and I just need to toughen up. I need to work harder. I need to pull up my big girl panties and deal with it. I need to toughen up, Buttercup. These are phrases that I use. And god, when Tracy passed away, that just there was no toughening up. You know. <laughs> there was no working harder. I and mean, I probably did. I probably drowned myself in respiratory HQ trying not to think about it, but but I was angry. And, and I remember, well, really three specific events that I let that anger impact those around me. And so it come down, came down to the point that I just, you know, I I realized if I kept going the way I was going, I was going to ruin my marriage. I was going to ruin my work relationship. Hell, I might've been even going to ruin my job the way I was acting with some things. So, um, so I did. I did. Um, I have a really good counselor that we see each other regularly and, and she has helped me through several things. It's not just all talk therapy. A lot of people think it's just counseling is just talking about it. It really, really isn't. They have some science-based techniques that help the brain heal from traumatic events. And um, my, my counselor has helped me a whole lot. So there is no shame in reaching out to somebody that has the knowledge to, to help you build skills to deal with things in life because quite honestly if I could have fixed myself by myself I would have and I couldn't so reach out for help and if that help even requires a little bit of pharmacological therapy in in terms of um, antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds don't be scared of that either Because really, when you go through events long enough, we all have periods of depression, right? You know, and I remember her specifically asking me one day, do you think you're depressed? And my response was, well, yeah, I'm depressed. This last year has sucked, but I don't suffer from depression because that's a chemical balance. And she told me this. She told me that... that When you deal with traumatic event after traumatic event after traumatic event long enough and you don't heal properly, there's actually brain chemistry involved in that that can lead to depression. And I didn't believe her and did a little research on my own, and you know what? That's right. So if part of this help means you need a little bit of medication to get you over that hump, it doesn't have to be forever, so don't be scared of doing that either. Okay, so those are three things that I feel like during my process that I did incorporate. And I feel like that they were things that definitely helped me. Um, Things that if I hadn't have, I think I'd be in a worse situation now and not coming out of it. Um, But things that, with the help of my counselor, that I've realized I need to be better at. I thought I was pretty good at some of them, but I'm really not. Um, so these next three things are things that you might want to think about employing. Number one is, uh, personally for me, I need to set better boundaries. And I'm pretty good about saying no to certain things, but then um, I volunteer for some things that I don't really want to do, and then I'm obligated to do them, and then I'm resentful about them, or um, I, I, um, I commit to something you know, it, this time it's six months in advance, and by the time the six months gets here, it's something that I really don't want to do. I didn't really want to do it in the first place. So I just need to be better about setting boundaries because when you say yes to everything, you have a tendency to do too much, and you don't have enough time to take care of yourself. So setting boundaries is a really big deal. Another thing for me, maybe for you, is how you deal with... I'm going to say workflow or situations in life like if you are a procrastinator and you wait to the last minute to do things the last minute to study or the last minute to do things that in, in your personal life that leads to a significant source of stress trying to get everything done right before the deadline okay so thinking about not procrastinating is a big deal now I have the Opposite problem. I am not a procrastinator. As a matter of fact, when an email drops into my inbox, I quit what I'm doing to address that so I can knock it off my plate. Um, when I have a deadline for to turn in something at work, I try to turn it in just as soon as possible. You know, if the deadline's a month away, I I'll do it when I have my next free bit of time to be done with it but there was just one instance last year as a matter of fact that I had a month to do something and I did it right off the bat and somebody decided they wanted it changed I did it again submitted it and then they wanted it changed again I ended up Doing something three different times that had I just waited a little bit, not procrastinated, but waited to closer to the deadline, I would have only had to do that once. Now, while that's not my fault that I was changing things, I could have minimized it by just being a little bit more patient. So I'm trying to do that also, not to be so anal about getting things done right off the bat. All right. And the last thing, this is the one I'm really working with myself on. I'm calling it quit doing stupid stuff. <laughs> okay, I guess if we're wanting to to pretty that up, we can say don't set unreasonable expectations or unnecessary expectations. And I'm going to give you the prime example, this podcast. When I'm passionate about something, I enjoy doing it. But somewhere along the way, when I first started this, I had this goal of producing one a week. Because, you know, one a week shouldn't be all that bad. It's, you know, 20 minutes, talk about what I want to talk about. Well, well, when the new wears off or you don't have a topic, it is then a burden to meet that, that goal. And I don't even know why I set that goal in the first place. You know, nobody's going to get hurt if I don't do a podcast. My heart's not going to be in it. I'm not going to enjoy it as much. And so that was something that I set for myself. It was stupid. It, caused, it causes me an undue amount of stress. So one of my big changes that I'm making is in regards to this podcast. I'm going to continue to podcast when a topic comes up that I feel passionate about I don't really know where that goes right now I think we want I want to talk about resumes maybe and bring some department directors in maybe so they can talk about the interview process and what they're looking at that sounds like a good idea but I don't know yet and I'm not going to worry about it I'm not going to worry about putting my energy into some unreasonable or unnecessarily unnecessary goal that if I don't meet it doesn't hurt anybody and it just makes myself have a considerable source of stress so I'm trying to make decisions and asking myself is this stupid and if it's stupid if I don't do it is anybody going to get hurt and if the answer is no nobody's going to get hurt is anybody going to go without and if the answer is no nobody's going to go without then I'm probably going to think twice about doing things, so I don't just have to have unnecessary stress. So um, that's mine. If you do those kind of things to yourself, maybe think about those things. If you don't have to put stress upon yourself, don't do it because it's just stupid. It's just an unnecessary source of stress. All right, so let me go back and summarize those. How do we prevent or minimize burnout? Number one Take care of your physical body. That means eating right, drinking plenty of water, exercising, and watch out about that alcohol intake. Number two, hold on to what you enjoy through the hard times. Make sure you are partaking in something that fills you, that makes you happy. Number three, don't be afraid to seek professional help. Number four, set boundaries. Number five, think about your workflow. Don't procrastinate, but maybe don't be the one that gets things done within two minutes of having a deadline set. And last but not least, quit doing stupid stuff. Do not set unreasonable unreasonable or unnecessary expectations upon yourself. So that's it for today. Today, folks, usually I end this by telling you what we're gonna do next week, but I'm not doing stupid stuff. I don't have a topic for next week. (laughs) But if there is a topic you want to discuss or have an idea of something that would make a great podcast, hey, email it to me and let's see what we can do. Um, you can email it to me at tpeel at respiratoryhq.com. And if you're interested in seeing what respiratory hq is about, just go to my website. It's www.respiratoryhq.com. You can sign up for some free instructional resources. There's very inexpensive uh, mini courses to help you with things that you might be having problems with. And there's also opportunities for comprehensive reviews to help you with your credentialing exam. So those of you that are respiratory care students and you're starting this semester, I hope you have a wonderful semester. Study hard, but be good to yourself you soon.